Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Hey, welcome to Hawks Live. It's our last broadcast of the season. I want to thank all the wonderful people that have come out each and every week to watch us. also want to thank the people at Snoqualmie Casino. said this before, it's a fantastic place out here, beautiful vista, the restaurant, really good, and it's not that far away, man. Once you get past this squad, it's like eight, ten minutes, so come on out to the Snoqualmie Casino. They've taken great care of us. Uh, we are down a man, and so everybody think good thoughts for Paul Moyer, who is under the weather, but we got Michael Bumpus here. Along with myself, Dave Wyman. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm all right. You know, out here in Snoqualmie, the last show of the year. It flew by. I've uh, had a great time. Love seeing all the consistent faces out here and uh, <laughs> ready for another we good have regulars, week. regulars, man. you got to love that. When you got regulars, you're, you're doing well. Um, so, hey, on the show, uh, we're going to do our own opponent preview because we don't need to talk to anybody in Carolina to figure out what's going on out there. And on the phone, we're going to have right tackle Jermaine Effetti. And, of course, we'll talk to the professor, John Clayton. We'll go through, inside the film room, three plays from the game that, uh, that were significant and, and not in a good way. And we'll get to that in a second. And then also, uh, Paul Gallant is going to interview Quandre Diggs, uh, who is going to be playing NBA 2K20, 2020. So they play a video game, have a little chat. And Quandre Diggs, talk to him. I'm not sure if you've been able to talk to him yet, Michael, but uh, he is... He's a very direct communicator, and it's kind of interesting how his personality kind of reflects how he plays on the field. He runs and re- very purposeful, like the, the angles that he takes. And, you know, when you're safety and you're lined up 17, 18 yards deep, you've got to take good angles or else you'll be way off. And he has been really good, but he's a really, really direct communicator, and uh, it'll be interesting to listen to him. All right, let's, uh, let's do the, uh, the sad part here of the show. Going back through last week's game, Michael, uh, the good news is is that they're going to Carolina, of course. Russell Wilson is 30-7 and seven after a loss, which is the best record since the 1970 NFL merger. So just another amazing uh, record that, that Russell Wilson has. But as far as a quarterback, 30-7 and seven coming off of um, a loss. So hopefully they'll be able to rebound. But looking back last week, which part disappointed you more, Michael? Was it the defense or the offense? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, because I was thinking, you know, I'm a defensive guy. You're an offensive guy. <laughs> and uh, nice work with the cough button there. Hi, Mike Flood. we got Mike Flood from the Seahawks out here. Does a great job. Uh, and Anyway, um, so, yeah, go back to, uh, to the offense, what you saw, because for me it was about the defense just because I'm a defensive guy, but you probably look at it the other way. No, actually I was more disappointed in the defense oh, because coming after the, the last few weeks, we had expectations now. You know, we thought that they would be able to handle any offense that's thrown at them. They put pressure on the quarterback. The corners have been playing well. Obviously, Condre and the, and the safeties have been playing well, the linebackers. So I was disappointed that it seemed like the Rams could do whatever they want. And then you go back, you look at the film. What the Rams do is so difficult to guard. You know, I saw them get out in a, uh, in a five-wide 
And now the Hawks come down in man. And what do they do? They cross everyone across yep. the field. So now you're, you're mixing up your, your corners with your backs and your safeties are coming down. It's a bunch of confusion. So what the Rams do works well, especially because we had some injuries. You didn't have a Michael Kendrick. So uh, Cody Barton got in. Cody played okay. He had good moments. He had bad moments. But he's still a rookie. And then Ansa wasn't there. We finally felt there was a time where we can get Ansa and Clowney on the field and everything's going to work. So I was disappointed by the defense because my expectations were high. As far as the offense goes, I thought they got into a hole, and they had to be something that they aren't really. They don't want to throw the ball around the field like they like they had to do late in the game. They want to run the football, but when you get down two or three scores and late in the game, now you got to ask your guys to throw the football. So the defensive side, I was disappointed, but the offensive side, I was also disappointed because there is no quick game in this offense right now. I never see Russell Wilson just take, open up his shoulders, boom, let the ball go. It's predicated off of the play action. So now when you're down late in the game and that run isn't working for you, you know, all the concepts are pretty deep. So, you know what? But then you got to keep it in perspective, man. I mean, this is the NFL. You know this, Dave. You're not going to win every single game. You know, sometimes you're going to have teams that just present personnel matchups. So it was Bad a matchup. perfect storm for the Rams. Yeah. It was. And, you know, I, I actually diagram. I think the play that you're talking about was a 19-yard reception to Robert Woods where the Seahawks, you know, they're, they're going to play man-to-man coverage. And, you know, sometimes you can pass those off and kind of zone them off. So, in other words, if you have three guys in a bunch and you got three defenders, one guy says, I'll take whoever comes out of this mess on the inside. The other guy in the middle will say, I'll take whoever's the number two guy, and then outside. And, you know, but sometimes there's confusion in that. So the Seahawks tried to just play man to man. And what happened was Trey Flowers just got behind Robert Woods, and he's so fast, he just beat him across the field. But, you know, those kinds of things just, you know, shouldn't be happening to this defense because, you know, they faced him enough times. I felt like the disappointment was that I felt like that was the 2017 2018 Rams. So, and actually, I diagrammed a play from the uh, from the Super Bowl where it was one of the first few plays where there was a crossing route that came across, and one of the New England linebackers just knocked the receiver on his butt. You know, and I, I think that's what you you needed to do. They needed to knock some of those crossers off. But as Pete said, it was all on the perimeter. On the offensive side, though, didn't score a touchdown. Yeah, and we haven't seen that in a while, especially coming in as the number three offense. I mean, I, I was looking at that number before the game going, can you believe that? We're like, you know, middle of the pack as far as defense goes. But offensively, the number three offense, and they, they just couldn't get it going. And and I, I thought the, the thing that was kind of interesting, after losing Rashad Penny three, four weeks ago, people wanted to trade they him. They wanted to trade him. Trade him for like a third rounder. And yeah. now all of a sudden you're going, what are we going to do without him? Because they the Seahawks finally got – that one-two punch out of Carson and Penny that they've been waiting for. Yeah, they've been waiting for it. And, you know, a lot of guys were saying, like you said, two, three weeks ago, trade the guy. He's worth the third. He's worth the fourth or fifth. But like I said in, in previous interviews, that's why you just believe in the process. You believe in, in, in Pete Carroll and in, in a Schneider. And really that offense sputtered a bit. There were a couple of plays that were just – uh, significant for me, it was a, a fourth down drop, by, I believe, by Malik or Hollister. And there was a third down drop by Malik or Hollister. Those yeah, two plays those two. were huge. You're, you're driving, you're moving the ball. And then there was a, a sack that Russell took late. Um, it, it was a third down. It was like a third and seven. It became a third and 15 and got them out of field goal range. So those three plays um, were huge as far as that offense goes. And then you get down, and you're going to ask Russell Wilson to spread it out and throw the football. And the, the hardest thing to do is throw the football when everyone expects you to throw the football when they're going to stay in that too high you're going to get that soft coverage and once you get behind uh, once the Seahawks get behind it's very difficult to come back especially down two and on the road 
Yeah, so just never able to get that going. Um, defensively, another person I thought was interesting or a player that was uh, was missing was Ziggy Ansah. And, you know, when the season started, I thought, well, they signed him to a pretty reasonable contract for his age and his production. And I just thought, well, maybe the guy gets three or four sacks. And then as the season went on, you just didn't really get that much from him. Come to find out it's about his health, and he just couldn't get weight back on. But, you know, he has been so disruptive in the last few games. So it looks like, you know, he's going to be maybe a game-time decision. Jadavian Clowney also going to be, uh, he's got the, the sports hernia thing going on, which he's dealing with, and he's playing through, but he also got the flu. So, I mean, that's, you know, hopefully he'll be he'll be ready to go. But, you know, I, I think, you know, we're going to talk to Jermaine Effetti coming up here at uh, at 7.30 at the bottom of the hour. But, you know, one of the things they need to do is protect Russell because over the last four games, I've counted 18 sacks and 29 quarterback hits. So, and his, you know, his passer rating has not been good over that period of time. You can understand why when he's getting hit that much. So, you know, hopefully they'll be able to, uh, to be able to protect Russell Wilson, although they're going against a team that has 47 sacks compared to the Seahawks, who have 23. And I think the Seahawks have given up 40 sacks offensively. Yeah, you're going up against a team that can get after the quarterback. And you're right, Russell Wilson, it seemed like that last game against the Rams, he wasn't able to maneuver in the pocket the way he was used to. And what I saw is that, one, you got an Aaron Donald who's going to collapse the pocket. And then you got a Clay Matthews who's going to keep his eye out on these guys. And what fear, what scares me about the Panthers is that they have a solid linebacker core with Keekley and Shaq and Bruce. So um, they're going to be looking at, at Russell. They're going to get after the quarterback. And if you can keep him upright, if you can get him outside the pocket, if you can allow him to do the things that kept him in the MVP race once upon a time, which is the scramble drill. And I feel like we've kind of gotten away from that. If he's not able to get outside the pocket to maneuver, if, just, if a team has gap control, if they are disciplined with those gaps, it's hard for Russ to maneuver. So um, that's what I saw with the Rams last week. But, again, I think that was just a one-week deal. I think that these guys are refocused. They're re-energized. They're ready to go. They're ready to go on the road and uh, be the road roars that they were. They were 6-1 on the road. You know, it's yeah. hard to win on the road. People forget that. I think we kind of got spoiled a bit because we're used to seeing them perform so great on the road, and it's a difficult thing to do. So I expect them to bounce back and go 7-1 and come back home ready to go. That would be nice. Uh, this is the 5th, I believe, 10 a.m. start. 5th, 10 a.m. start coming up here, and uh, that's just not even a thing anymore. It's not even a problem. So, yeah, I've had some tough trips, boy, Philly, um, going out to Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Atlanta. So lots of uh, lots of miles traveled. And coming up next, we're going to try to preview a little bit to give you a little bit of flavor from the Carolina Panthers. It seems like it's kind of a mess out there. But, you know, um, this is still a dangerous team. You look back last year, they sold out to stop the run. And Russell Wilson, and what I mean by that, they just – committed everybody to run gaps they were running uh, run blitzes where guys are just running through gaps the Seahawks couldn't run it so they took to the air and Russell Wilson had two touchdowns over 300 yards a astronomical quarterback rating and remember a fourth and three touchdown pass to to David Moore so hopefully uh, if they do take that run away uh, Russ is able to to do what he did last year or something close to it. All right, coming up next, we're going to do a little bit of an opponent preview, dig into what the Carolina Panthers are about. That's next here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus. And 
take a look at the the Carolina Panthers, Michael. I, you know, we talked to a guy named Joe Persons today, who uh, writes for the Athletic out there, and you know, I asked him. Do you think this is a team that maybe could implode just because of what's going on? And just uh, the firing of, of uh, Ron Rivera just happened a, a couple of weeks ago. I thought, it, you know, I just remembered it being earlier, but it's just happened. And they had a really bad performance against Atlanta, lost 40 to 20. Um, and then, you know, they were talking about, I know that uh, their, their tight end, Greg Olson, was saying, ah, this is the darkest day that I've had in the NFL when, Everybody loved Ron Rivera, but the owner didn't. So they end up letting him go. Now Perry Fuel is the head coach. And then on top of that, after the game last week against Atlanta, their second-year cornerback, Dante Jackson, he called out the Carolina defensive coaching staff. He said there was two terrible calls that he said led directly to two Atlanta touchdowns. Now, he apologized today, but... Of course he did. Man, when you do that in the media... I just, uh, you know, coaches and players argue all the time. I remember yelling and cursing at coaches and vice versa, but sometimes in the heat of battle, sometimes it was at practice, but never in the media, man. No, one, you're a second-year guy, so how much clout do you really have in that building? And two, that's just not how you do business. You know how it is. And in front of everybody else, you're a united front. You right. know, now when you, right. get to the, when you get to practice and, and you're on the sidelines and, and things happen, but when you're in a controlled environment, you have to be able to, um, to have the organizations back, and he just didn't do that. And the fact that he's a second-year guy, man, I, I, it's not right, but I can see if it was like a pro bowler, hall of famer, yeah. you know, someone calling somebody out. But it's like, man, it's a privilege to play in this league, and it's your second year, so whenever you're faced with some kind of question that, that, that kind of sets you up to say something negative about the organization – Man, you go, you go the other way, so kind of disappointed in that. Yeah, you know, I, I think when you say something stupid before you've become a good player, we should call it a Baker Mayfield <laughs> from now on because, my God, that's all he's done. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't even really done anything. He's thrown 30. I get a chance to, to rag on Baker Mayfield. I'm going to take it anytime I'm on the air. I just, man. But, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was kind of surprising. We mentioned the, uh, the 47 sacks that they have, and, you know, you look at uh, they've, they've, Eric Reed, actually, their safety, he has four of them. Uh, leading sack guy is Mario Addison. He's a defensive end with nine and a half. Uh, Brian Burns, who's a rookie defensive end, five and a half. And Bruce Irvin, our guy Bruce Irvin, has five and a half as well. So this is a pretty tough defense. And uh, but, you know, and you look at also Shaq Thompson, as you mentioned earlier, and Luke Keekley, pretty good linebackers there. I was looking over on the other side of the ball. Christian McCaffrey obviously is just incredible. I mean, his his numbers, I mean, he's already almost to 2000 yards as far as uh, receiving and rushing. But, you know, the other thing uh, that I noticed uh, about him is that Tampa Bay shut him down. So he averaged 167 yards per game in, a, in 11 games. But the other two that were the Tampa Bay games, he averaged 55. And I went and looked at those films, and, you know, it, it looked like they basically were playing like a spy on Christian McCaffrey, which I think is wise. And I think the linebackers might have to, to step up. I think it's going to be on them, on Bobby and KJ and Cody and maybe Kendricks if we see him playing because, man, if you take him away, uh, I would say I would take my chances against Kyle Allen. Yeah, Kyle Allen. You take McCaffrey away, you still have D. Moore. They got a D. Moore over there, too. He has 1,000 yards, <laughs> four touchdowns. 
Um, but McCaffrey makes this thing go. He has 726 yards receiving, um, over 1,000 yards rushing. He's the guy, but if you look at the last four games, he's been held under 100 yards rushing the last four games. So they're trying to find different ways to get him the ball. They're yeah. going to get him in the pass game four times this year. I believe he's led the team in rushing and receiving. That's what can't happen. He can't lead the team in rushing and receiving. You want to take your chances on a D more. Obviously, he has 1,000 yards. He's having a great year. But if you're taking your chances on a D more, that means you're putting the ball in the hands of Kyle Allen, and that's what you want, a rookie quarterback trying to beat you. And I think with the way this defense has played minus last week, they should be able to get pressure on this guy, even if they don't get the sacks that we've liked to see that we haven't seen this year. There's good pressure on him and make him make tough decisions. The Hawks are also top five when it comes to interceptions in the league, so make him throw the football and we'll come down with it. Yeah, Moore, as you mentioned, he was a first-round draft choice out of Maryland last year, so he's He's also having a good year. But, yeah, I just think, man, if you if you take away – I'm still mad that Christian McCaffrey didn't get the Heisman a few years ago. Sorry, Who got Derek, it? Who got Derek it Henry. Derek Henry. Yeah. yeah, who was pretty good. But, man, good. I just be, – being a Stanford guy and also the son of one of my buddies, Ed McCaffrey, who I played with at Stanford and played with him in Denver. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, remember what he did last year, McCaffrey, 237 yards. Yeah. So, you know, he was – he had a couple of touchdowns. He was just uh, – dynamic and that to me i think if you and we talked about this earlier i think if this is a team that if you get a lead on them they might shut down you know and that's kind of i mean there's a lot of pride a lot of these guys are saying look we're playing for each other gerald mccoy who's a veteran you know he said that you know how we're on a skid how do you right your wrongs beat seattle it can be done so you know we'll, we'll see which side of the panthers i just feel like either way it's going to be difficult because the Seahawks sometimes will make it difficult on themselves, but also it's just, you know, on the road in that 10 a.m. slot. I know the Seahawks are like six-point favorites, but still I think it's going to be a difficult uh, task. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, I think it'll be difficult. You're on the road. You're in Carolina. Uh, they're desperate right now. Both defenses are going to give up yards. They're both around 375 yards that they give up. So there will play. there are plays to be made out there. It's all about how they respond and if they're able to bounce back to when things go bad. And I feel like the Seattle Seahawks are a team that can bounce back, especially after this week. You know, our guy, Paul Moyer, right, he says mm-hmm. he prefers to play. He doesn't want to play a team after a loss because he feels like, you know, they're motivated, they're ready to go. I think the Carolina Panthers are, are feeling the same way, especially with this team, just because of the success that they had over the years. So this is a get-right game. Figure out, get back to who you are, run the football, don't get down, let Russell be special. And Russell needs a game as well. It's been a while since we've seen him perform at that MVP uh, status or caliber that we're used to seeing him earlier in the season. So it's all setting up for the Hawks to have a great game. It's funny, you look at this, uh, it seems like we play them every year. And I guess we didn't face them in 2017. But the Seahawks have, the last four times they visited Carolina they've won and really the the last loss was 2007 so in the modern you know Pete Carroll era they've gone out there and kind of owned them man and and last year was uh, was no exception that was the game where remember Chris Carson did the flip through the air the they they shut down the run game Russell took care of business so we'll see how it goes but um yeah, I, I feel like this is a team if you jump on them that and they're also minus six in turnover ratio although the the Rams were minus four, but Seahawks now plus 11 in turnover ratio because, well, mostly because of Quandre Diggs' 
couple of uh, interceptions that he had last week. Yeah, Quandre's been a great addition to the team. We did like a ranking, I believe, last week of the, the best newcomer. And obviously Clowney gets it. But uh, if you just go off the last few weeks, um, I give that to Diggs. And with the rookie quarterback, I think you get them down. He's young. Yep. How does he lead these, these men in, in moments of adversity? And does he have the tools and the experience to get himself out of a hole? I think he's a decent player. I don't think he's their franchise quarterback going forward. So make him try to beat you. Well, you know, on Hawks Live, every time that we have the show up here at 7.30, we talk to a Seahawk player this week. It's going to be Jermaine Effetti. We'll talk to him next. That's here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus. And we're trying to get Jermaine Effetti on the phone. And, uh, you know, I mentioned it earlier. It was kind of a disappointing performance all the way around last week. But, man, going in, I just kept looking at going, is that number right? Seahawk offense, number three in the NFL as far as yards go, and that just has not been what it's been about here. I mean, it's been about the run game, certainly, and last year averaging 160, and this year they're averaging 141. But also just Russ has had just such a a great year, and it's amazing to me, Michael, when I start going through and looking at some of the records that, that Russell has. And one of them is that with one more win, he will tie Tom Brady for most wins in their first eight seasons. Tom Brady. And that's the thing that get, that jumps out to me with with him. Uh, here's another one. Career passer rating of 101.2. It ranks second in NFL history. So, I mean, it's not just what's going on here. Then, then you know, there's some of these where, you know, he's comparing. He's really he's comparable to a guy like Peyton Manning. So, I mean, that's that's the thing about Russ. But, you know, the reason why I bring that up, 30-7, and seven, mentioned that earlier after. I'll ask Jermaine if he's aware of that. But 30-7 and seven after a loss for Russell Wilson. So, in other words, he does not lose back-to-back games. No, he doesn't. And I don't expect him to do that this week either. You mentioned all the records that Russell Wilson um, is a part of. And it's unfortunate because sometimes I think, the 12s and this region take it for granted because they're so used to seeing this type of success, kind of like the New England Patriots when their team goes down and they're yeah. booing him. Like you're booing Tom Brady and the Patriots <laughs> because they're down at home like, hey, this is welcome to reality. You're going to have tough times. You know? We don't do that here yeah, at our yeah. quarterback. No, right? not at all. I wouldn't expect the 12s to do that. So um, the, the run that he's had and the success that he's had, um, it's surprising to some but not to the guys here. And I don't think a lot of people realize the success that he has. And we're so tucked away up here, man. Yeah. Like, people don't like, – they need to have, like, a sports intersection, Russell's accomplishments this week. Right. It seems like every single week we're saying something else. I didn't know he was 30-7 and seven after right. a loss until you said it. Well, and Rabel and I do that before the game. Now our keys to the game includes a Russell stat of the week because it's just amazing what he's, what he's done. Let me throw this at you. If Russell's six foot two. First of all, he probably doesn't get picked in the third round, right? No. But if he's six foot two, don't you think? I, I really believe that that's a thing that people discount him because of his height, and I just think it's absolutely ridiculous based on the performance. I mean, one thing if he had two or three years, he's got eight seasons now. It's his eighth season, and he's just putting these numbers up. The other thing about it is I mentioned this: the the Peyton Manning um, stat that he has, which I will find here in a second, but it um it's we don't throw the ball here 
Yeah. I mean, last year they were, I know we're in like the bottom half of the league as far as pass attempts this year, but last year we were dead last in pass attempts. And so he's getting all these numbers with an offense that really doesn't throw the ball, but it's just, he's just incredibly efficient. Yeah, he's super efficient. And um, a lot of the, the passes that he attempts are down the field. I'm sure yeah. there's a stat out there where he's the most efficient with um, throwing the football 20 yards or more down the field. Um, he yeah, has balls. one of the most wins in the in the fourth quarter. I think Matthew Stafford is around there with him. And so whenever you look at clutch stats, clutch stats, he's going to be in the mix and um, enjoy the show. I know he's had a couple of bad games, or according to his expectations, a couple of bad games to us or to the rest of the league. It's just an average game, but we're so used to seeing him perform at a high level. Um, don't forget things that this guy's done. Eight seasons, one of the most winningest quarterbacks out there, and he does it in a different way. He's not his personality and his style is something that I don't think this league has ever seen. Yeah, and that's I think it's kind of like with Pete Carroll and John Schneider. We say every year, why don't they get executive of the year for John Schneider, GM of the year? Why doesn't Pete Carroll get coach of the year? And same thing with Russell Wilson, but I think it's because they're so consistently good. <laughs> I think you have to be really bad <laughs> to win those for one season and then, you know, have a bounce back year. But unfortunately for the Seahawks, their bad season is nine and seven. <laughs> 2017, I mean, that's the one year they haven't had a double digit win total and they missed the playoffs. But nine and seven equals the best record of any team that I was on in the NFL. Really? In nine years. So I like to think that it wasn't because of me, Michael. But uh, but yeah, definitely I mean, wasn't. You 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 take you take this for granted all the things that he's done, and you know one of the things I think it, it, what it was is three thousand plus yards and twenty plus touchdowns. Him and Peyton Manning are the only two that have done that in their first eight seasons. I, I did the the math on it because I went through and looked at at Peyton Manning's attempts, pass attempts. It was about six more pass attempts than Russell Wilson per game. So it ended up being like 600 less throws that Russell has gotten that same stat, 3,000 plus yardage, and uh, and 20 plus touchdowns. So just just amazing uh, how efficient he is. And today we talked to him about MVP. What did you think? What do you think Russell would say if you ask him? Hey, you know, how do you feel about the MVP? Do you want to win the MVP? Well, because I spoke to you before the show started, I know what he said, but. If I didn't speak to you, I would think he said, "Hey, it's not. It's, it's not about wins. It's not about that. I just, I just want to win games." And you know, the, the typical exactly. Russell answer, and th- that's not what he said, huh? Yeah, he said, "Look, hey, I, you know, for a guy that's five ten, five eleven, coming out of Virginia, you know, a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I don't know if he, I threw that in there, but you know, he thought, you know, that that would be cool. It'd be something that he wants to accomplish. And but of course, you know, he talked about the team and everything. But that was a really good interview with him. Couldn't be happier with." Uh, with Russ, we're just incredibly fortunate to have him here. He's just a good man, good leader. And the other thing is, I would say, and it's not like it was terrible or anything, but he has everybody buys into Russell as the leader of this team. And he came into a team that was mostly dominated by defense. You know, Richard Sherman, and then you know Doug Baldwin was was also uh, you know a leader and a lot of those guys didn't think quite the same as Russell Wilson maybe they thought he was a little bit of a boy scout but now this is Russell's team you know there's nobody that doesn't believe that everything he says he believes in and he does this isn't some act I mean Russ is a guy that uh, just always positive he talks about his uh, mental coach Trevor Moab and how they've worked together and how he's just able to keep a positive attitude even when things are, are going poorly for him. Yeah, I was uh, I was one of the skeptics early 
It was uh, when Rusk in the league, 2012? 2012. 2012, I was a couple years removed from the league, and I'm like, there's no way this guy is for real. And the second year comes. There's no way this guy is for real. And every single year, every press conference, every post-game interview, um, he's exactly the same. So at this point, he is who he is, and this works. And this also shows that you can be this kind of uh, straight-edge guy and have success. When you think about football players, you don't think about straight-edge guys. Yeah. You think about just raw, just rough, tough type Getting of Getting in fights and bars yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. A Phillip Rivers <laughs> yelling in a defensive player's ear, a 90-yard yeah. touchdown. You know, those are the type of moments you think when it comes to football players. And he just came and showed that you can, you can take a different path and still have a bunch of success. Let me ask you this, Michael, former wide receiver. Tell me what you're seeing out of Josh Gordon. Because he ran like an out route. The thing that I've seen from him, just from, from my eyes, is that it's effortless for yeah. him. He, he runs his route so well, catches the ball so securely. Uh, he's ran a few slants. He's ran like an out route, like I said. But I'm ready for, like, double moves down the field, a 50-50 throw. What do you think uh, about his development, and, and where do you see them using him? I think initially they used him the right way. You bring a guy in who doesn't really know the offense yet. What do you do? You isolate him on the backside of formation. You throw the route that I feel can work against any coverage in the world, which is a slant. Mm -hmm. So his first three routes are slants. And then you kind of see him evolve a little bit. He caught a deep out route. I believe he caught like a, a post going across the field. And you said it. When he catches the ball, it's like magnets. Like the ball just <laughs> sticks to his hand. It, it looks different. Even when Tyler Lockett catches the ball, his I call it hand selection. Big up Mike Levenseller from Washington State University taught me that phrase. Um, hand selection. How are you going to catch the ball? And it seems like when he decides he's going he's to catch the ball, it's the right hand selection. It's not a ball that's up high that you're flipping your hands over trying to get under. Um, if the ball's low, he's getting down again, and it, is, it looks effortless. And for a guy to be that big and to make it look like that is impressive. I used to grow up watching. Terrell Owens was my favorite receiver growing up. He was mm -hmm. nice and big. I used to try to mold my game after Heinz Ward, but watching Terrell Owens, it didn't look easy when he caught the ball. Like, uh -huh. He would catch it. He had some drops too, but it didn't look easy just because he's a big man and the limbs are just different. But with Josh Gordon, it looks easy. It looks like he's a 5'11", he's a, a 6-foot guy mm -hmm. who can move his body in ways um, to make it easier for him to catch the ball. So I'm excited to see how he contributes in this offense going forward. And last week, even though the Hawks lost the game, it was encouraging to see that he caught an out route. He caught a post ball. We know he can catch a slant. So as the season goes along, as his run game establishes themselves again, those up-top balls are going to be there for him. Well, we weren't able to uh, to connect with Jermaine Fetty, but that's all right. We'll talk to the professor instead, and he'll get us caught up on everything that's going around the NFL. Talk to John Clayton. That's next here on Hawks Live. Welcome to Hawks Live, Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus. Just think good thoughts for Paul Moyer, who's a little bit under the weather tonight, couldn't join us. It's our last show up here, and uh, to celebrate our last show, we're going to talk to the professor, John Clayton. John, how are you? I'm a little saddened because this is our last show together on Thursday night, so uh, I know, but not, not the happiest guy the in the world, but I'm happy to be with you guys. Okay, well, and you were right today on our show, and I agreed with you about the Ravens. 
35 to Oof. 7. I haven't had a chance to watch much of that, but give us the Lamar Jackson report, John. Uh, MVP is over. I mean, he's yeah. he's the MVP. I mean, was it was it three or four touchdown passes today? He's still being able to run. He beat Michael Vick's record. He's got 31. I think he's now up to 32 touchdown passes. I mean, the guy's just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, as great as we were watching uh, Patrick Mahomes last year, yeah, he's equal to the task. Different numbers, different sets, but equally as good. I mean, now the AFC has two of the best young quarterbacks in football, and it's going to be great for them for a long period of time. Well, and I think the other thing about Lamar Jackson is even some of his, like, five-yard runs, he does, like, the crossover ankle breaker, almost like an Allen Iverson type of move, and that's the thing that I think that really catches people's eyes is just his athletic ability. Well, the thing that amazes me, and tell me if you've seen anything like this, is that his back step. Because, I mean, he can go in and start to run around the defensive player, but also he can take a back step with his left foot and be able to just, okay, boom, stop, and then go around to the right side of a defensive player. I don't think I've ever seen anybody like that. I mean, it's almost, again, he is just amazing in how he can move and what he can do. And, uh, you know, and again, what, what also makes him so good, and he's showing it tonight, how good he is in the pocket. I mean, this year, it was kind of like uh, Russell Wilson a couple of years in that one second half of the season where he was like the best pocket passer in the league. Well, you can look at Lamar and say at the moment he's one of the best pocket passers in the league because if he needs to, he can just stand there in the pocket and throw. If he needs to run, he can run. I mean, this guy is basically unstoppable at this stage. Hey, John, last week Rashad Penny goes down. We know we know, now know that it's an ACL tear. And uh, should we expect Travis Homer to get a little more run this week with the offense. I would think so, yeah, because uh, you know, even though you know that ProSize is the main backup and should get probably you know six to eight carries per game, I think that at some point you know they got to get Homer in there to see what he can do. Not like they're experimenting, because again, this is a stage right now where you want to get as most the most experience you can on the field. But I would have to think they got to mix it in where he can get maybe you know three, four, five carries just to see where he is, because you can watch him because he's he's quick he's fast he's able to get the ball he can catch the ball all those different things but no I think he's a good back I know I talked to him this week and you know it's a good running back room because all the guys tend to get along well they all root for each other so I have to think that you know he'll get a few carries this week yeah I would love to see that you know the thing about Homer that I see is he has one speed I mean whether it's a fake punt returning a kickoff, which he did in Philly, running down on kickoffs. And Pete has been mentioning that all year. So I think Pete, you know, has a soft spot in his heart for him. And, you know, I don't know what he's doing at practice, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, John, you think I was just talking to, to Bumpus about Josh Gordon being a former receiver, the things that he sees in him. Um, from what we've heard from Pete Carroll, and do, do, do we get a feeling that maybe he's going to get a little bit more involved in the offense? This you would week? think so. I think the the big thing this next two weeks, particularly knowing that they're taking on two teams that you can beat, you know, Carolina on the road with the losing record, Arizona, is get you know first off the priority is Tyler Lockett getting to be back to being a number one wide receiver. That's the most important thing, but also to get Josh Gordon into being a good number three reliable receiver because you know DK Metcalf and I don't know if he's hit that rookie wall or not he might have but he's still uh, you're talking about you know the third number three vote I think at the moment for offensive rookie of the year and that's going to be behind Josh Jacobs at Oakland that's going to be behind Tyler 
uh, Kyler Murray at Arizona. He's number three right now. And I think that, uh, you know, he, he's now one of the most important guys. But to get Josh Gordon to feel comfortable as a number three guy, I know that they like Malik Turner. I know they like Jaron Brown. They are able to get him back on. I mean, they keep seven active wide receivers. But I have to think right now they need to try to take the next two weeks and get more out of Josh Gordon. I'll ask both of you guys this, John. I think I know your answer, but if you could activate one guy, it would be either Clowney or Tyler Lockett. John, I think you picked Tyler I pick Lockett. Lockett. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I pick Lockett is because I mean, you you know that uh, Clowney's going to struggle because I mean he's fighting the core injury, he's now fighting uh, an illness. All those things are tend to be against him. And uh, next two weeks, I mean, you know, they take on a second year. Wide, I mean, second-year quarterback Kyle Allen, who's a backup, and they take on Kyler Murray. And even though the pass rush is the most important thing, I think, right now on this team, I think the big thing is make your number one wide receiver the number one wide receiver and get that reestablished. You agree with that, Michael? Yeah, I agree. you got to get Tyler Lockett back involved. It's nice that he's been out there, so the defense has to know where he is, but he makes the pass game go. you got to get 16 going. Yeah. Hey, John, last week the Rams handled the Seahawks. I don't think many of us were expecting that. Do you chalk that up to a bad week, or do you think the Rams have exposed the Seahawks and anticipate other teams doing the same? No, I think it's a matter that uh, right now, and I think you can look at it for the last three years, I mean, face it, you know, because you, you see this every year, and now it's a matter that in the future what Pete Carroll and John Snyder have to do is readdress this. The Rams just have the edge on the Seahawks. I mean, you think about since Sean McVay's come in there as the head coach, they've won four of six games. You know, they were a Greg Zerline uh, kick away from winning the game here in Seattle where they would have been 5-1. And, and you can see with the way that they w- run their offense, they just have an edge. And so, like anything else, I mean, you tend to draft to figure out, okay, how do you beat the teams in the division? They just have an edge right now. I wouldn't over overdo it. I think you look at the you know, the, the issues that are right there. I mean, again, you know that this defense did well for three straight weeks. But, again, if Todd Gurley can come in and get the first down runs and you got uh, Jared Goff being able to roll out to his right and be able to make the throws and do all these different things, I mean, you just got to figure out a way to do it. But I think it's just a, a one-game anomaly, not a big, you know, big problem overall. All right, John, they're going to have that big drum out there that says keep pounding, and, you know, you, you've got uh, somewhat fired-up fans out there. They're trying to we talk to somebody out there today, and he said they're trying to um, get the, the fans to not go Christmas shopping and come to the game. But I don't know, man. I feel like it, it could fold. Like if you put a couple of touchdowns up on this team with some of the things that are going on behind the scenes, the, the defensive back complaining about the defensive game plan, Um, You know, some guys not super behind the firing of Ron Rivera. It could, I feel like there's a chance it could be a runaway disaster. Yeah, I I look at it more positive because what you're doing now is you're facing a backup quarterback who's in some ways been figured out. I mean, yeah, he came out and he won five of the first six games, and now he's sitting with a losing record. Okay, so he makes more mistakes than he does big plays, and so you take care of that. And, of course, the other thing is they've lost two of their front three guys on the defensive line in a 3-4 defense, and they can't stop the run. Simple thing. You go there, you just be simple, you try to run the ball, you get the victory, you come out of there. Don't commit any turnovers. Don't try to do too much to uh, you know put yourself in a bad situation. It's a winnable game. This team's eliminated from the playoffs, and they're within one week of going to Will Greer at quarterback just to see what he can do for the last two weeks. I mean, you just beat them down and try to do the best you can. 
All right, Professor, I will see you in the booth in Carolina. That'll be great. All right, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. There he goes, the Professor John Clayton. Coming up next, uh, we have found Jermaine Effetti. He was packing. He was packing for his trip, so uh, we were able to get a hold of him, and we're going to talk to him. Uh, We're going to talk to right tackle Jermaine Effetti. That's next right here on Hawks Live. From 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Welcome to the beautiful Snoqualmie Casino. It's Hawks Live. Michael Bumpus, Dave Wyman, and I believe we have on the phone Seahawks right tackle. Uh, we're trying to get Jermaine Effetti. He, he will answer soon, but uh, now we have him. Awesome. Jermaine, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? Thanks for having me. We're doing great, man. Are you all packed up uh, on the road? Are you a guy that, are you a light packer or a heavy? When, when you go on these trips, it's a two-day deal. You're going to be there Saturday. Are you a guy that just throws underwear and shorts in a bag, or are you getting decked out, man? Uh, no, I mean, you know, I just I got to have my essentials, you know, just my everyday thing. So it's kind of uh, got to be meticulous about how I'm packing, you know, real, real careful because I don't want to forget anything like my retainers, you know. So I just got to make sure I have everything double-checked because you don't want to get on the road and, be replacing stuff. I mean, you know, I got a couple outfits, some kicks. You know how it goes. Absolutely, and uh, you just you just can't have enough socks and underwear. So always throw yeah, an extra yeah. one there. There you go. <laughs> no hey, doubt Jermaine, about it. Tell tell us about how how much fun this has been. O- offensive line, just with Dwayne Brown there. We talked to DJ Fluker the other day. I could talk to DJ for for two hours straight. He is so much fun. <laughs> Joey Hunt has, has sure. come in and, and really played well and. You know, uh, your potty. I mean, it just seems like it's really a fun group, and you guys are having a great year this year. Oh, yeah, it's, it's been amazing. Um, you know, seeing the group grow together uh, as the year has gone along, um, I think it's been uh, real cool to see. And uh, it's been a blessing. Everybody's never stay healthy. And, um, you know, we still think our best ball is ahead of us. You know, still getting better, still working, and we're still building for the uh, run. Hey, Jermaine, this is your second year in that Schottenheimer offense. Um, how do you feel like it's going? You got a grasp from this thing? You getting real comfortable out there? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a good offense. Uh, uh, we, we really enjoy that Brian has uh, so much confidence in us and uh, put so much on us with the run game and being able to protect us. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, you know, real comfortable. Uh, you know, we have a really good line coach who's uh, on top of the details, so. Uh, he makes it easy for us. Yeah, that was. I was going to ask you about uh, Mike Solari, and just uh, is that what it is? Is it the details? Is it the way he communicates? Because it just seems like you know you guys, even when you put Joey Hunt in there, um, are you just able to kind of pick up where you left off? It, tell us about Mike Solari and what he's brought to that group. Yeah, you know he uh, he's he's all about the details. He's all about. Uh, attention to details and getting the best out of us and the most out of us. Uh, you know, he's been a really good line coach in the league for a long time. So, uh, you know, he's he's great to be able to learn under. And, uh, you know, we embrace having him every day because uh, he comes every day and he's ready to work and he's ready to uh, get on the details. And uh, that's really all line play is just attention to detail, the small things. So Chris Carson goes for over 1,000 yards for the second year in a row. And that's a lineman award as well. I mean, that's that's something you guys should be proud of. Do you guys get excited when you can uh, get a running back to go over a G? 
Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's super exciting. Uh, you know, Chris, Chris runs so hard for us, and uh, we really enjoy blocking with Chris and uh, making increases. But you know, he makes like I said for it makes it easy for us. He makes it easy for us to come to work every day and block for him because uh, we see how he finishes runs and how he runs through contact and uh, and you know, how he shows up every day. You know, no matter how banged up, no matter how bad he's feeling, you know, he shows up every day for us, and uh, we we just try to be at him. I got to believe you guys love seeing him like run over linebackers and some of the man. I, I was saying this in the game like that dude is going to test your manhood if you are coming up trying Absolutely. to tackle Chris Carson. I mean that, uh, and you guys also you'd much rather run block than pass block, right? You guys you guys get fired up and want to just go out and maul people, right? Yeah, I mean for sure. But we we just like to do what whatever's going to score points and get us yards and get us wins. We do whatever it takes. What did that look like last year in the Carolina game when Chris Carson did that flip? And that, that was uh, about this time of year last year. And I remember being afraid for his health. He was like, looked like he was 10 feet in the air. You were down on the, uh, on the ground level. Where That had to have been one of those plays where you just like kind of slow down and just watch. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of. I didn't expect him in the middle of the field, but uh, the way Chris is, you know, he he can make the impossible possible. You know, he he made it work. He landed on his feet. Uh, he had a plan to come down, so you know that's all that matters. But um, he uh, he you know he he ain't jumping as much this year, but it was real fun to watch a lot last year. Adrian, man, when I played, I was a perimeter guy. I was a receiver, so when I used to talk smack to to the DBs, everyone saw it, but. You offensive, defense alignment go at it, hand-to-hand combat every single play. Is there a lot of smack talk that goes on down in the trenches? Uh, you know, it kind of it kind of depends. You know, uh, depends what kind of game it is. Usually, you know, who the opponent is. You know, a little bit here and there, but a lot of times guys are you know pretty, you know, pretty cordial. It's not, it's never nothing too crazy. You, you kind of see the same guys as you play longer. You see the same guys over and over again. Yeah, so, you know, you, you kind of, uh, but it's still, you know, it's real competitive and it's real physical down there. You know, it's not it's definitely not uh, any type of cakewalk or uh, friendly, friendly thing going on. You know, the thing I notice is that when you talk smack, it gets you tired. You know, I was always trying <laughs> yeah, to breathe. Real tired. <laughs> yeah, especially, especially for Eat you Eat every guys. breath you can get. Yeah, exactly. Hey, let me ask you this. I, I think it's a good question. What advice w- would you give yourself? As a rookie, Jermaine, going back to your rookie year and knowing what you know now, what what would you tell your your rookie self? Uh, you know, I think as as rookies, um, you know, me and whatever rookies in general, you know, you just come in and you want to be so perfect, you want to do everything right, you know, you know, you want to live up to your draft status because you're a first round pick or high round pick, or draft pick period, you know, a team depending on you. So you you just want to uh, you know you want to contribute. And uh, sometimes you get sped up, and I, you know, I say, now just, you know, just don't get sped up. Stay in the moment, you know, take it a moment at a time, because you know they're all so precious. Because you can't, you know, you can't win everything right now. You can't win every block right now. So you got to stay in the moment, embrace the work, embrace, you know, whatever moment you're in. And uh, you know, eventually the big picture, you look back and you, you know, you built a, you built something real cool. Speaking of young guys and rookies, how have you helped Jermarco Jones and Phil Haynes kind of navigate this NFL life? 
Uh, you know, they, they they're they're really uh they're really confident young players. So, you know, I think confidence is a big part of the game, just believing that you're able to do it. You know, the guys come to work every day and they they have a good attitude about it and they have a good attitude about being coached and, and uh, embracing whatever role they're given. So, you know, it's usually easy with O-linemen. You know, you don't get too many uh, quote-unquote knuckleheads, as people would say. You know, a lot of guys are willing to conform and just do the work and follow the veterans. And, you know, that's what's cool about this position. You know, you always get young guys and, uh, you know, they just they, they come in, they want to learn, they want to they want to just, you know, feed off of what's going on in the room. And that's the cool thing about uh, the old line bond and you know that what it is you know having the, having young guys come in and see them progressively become like the older guys like I see myself become you know it's just kind of a cool cycle to follow. All right, Jermaine. Uh, so we had Joey Hunt on here. You guys both played. You played high school football against each other. I won't tell you what he said, but who won the battle between you and Joey Hunt when you guys played high school football together? Or against each other, I should say. Uh, you know, Joe, Joe, Joe was a heck of a guy back in the day. You know, on defense, you know, kind of two gapping, slanting D tackle. You know, not much of, of a pass rusher, but you know, decent matchup in the run game. But uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, you know, maybe for Joey's sake, I'll say it was like a stalemate. But I remember a few of me, me getting the best of them. But you know, I'm not going to put them on the front street like that. But, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, we did our last matchups, my school won, so that's where I leave it. Okay, yeah, well, you won, so I don't even remember what Joey Hunt said, but he was very nice, of course. He was very gracious. Yeah, about, of know. course. Tell us, tell us a little bit about him because, you know, it's funny, he's listed as 6'2", 300 pounds, and he looks – small out there i'm like come on man he's 300 pounds but he's also a really smart guy um you know it was just terrible losing justin Britt. but tell us a little bit about joey and uh and how he has stepped in to, to your group yeah you know uh i think you know the confidence never wavered when uh joey came in uh, justin's awesome player but uh joe joey's been preparing and you know he prepares as if he's gonna play every sunday and has to play and make the calls every sunday so no, the utmost confidence in him, you know, probably the first, I would say, second smartest guy in our room. But, um, you know, he's he's uh, he's really good at what he does. You know, he's real technical. He's on top of his stuff. And he, um, he he really knows how to uh, run run the offense and uh, make all the calls. So, you know, we have a lot of confidence in him, uh, you know, going down the stretch and, you know, what he's been able to do for us so far. Jermaine, we really appreciate you uh, spending the time with us, and uh, best of luck in Carolina. Thanks a lot, man. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. There he goes, Jermaine Effetti. Coming up next on Hawks Live, me and Michael, Coach Michael Bumpus, we'll go through we'll go through three of the plays from last week. We'll go inside the film room. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live, here live at the Snoqualmie Casino. Sadly, it's our last show of the year, but they have treated us well here at the Snoqualmie Casino. It's been really fun, and uh, we've been doing it here every Thursday night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up uh, next, in the next segment, we're going to have Quandre Diggs. He's going to... 
be interviewed by our own Paul Gallant. He's going to sit down with him, and uh, Quandre Diggs and Paul are going to play NBA 2K. Do you know that one? Oh, yeah. Um, my kids aren't listening, so uh, <laughs> one of my boys is going to get one of these from Santa. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're going to get there 2K. You there you go. Boy, you're taking a big risk there. You yeah. might have. They don't listen. Might have get, yeah, not listening. It better not be. What time is it? They yeah, I sleep. Say- all kinds of things about my wife, everything, and I, I know that she has, she's vaguely aware that I have a radio <laughs> show. And a lot of times my kids will call me during the show, and I send them a uh, pre-printed uh, out text that says, I'm not sure if you know this, but I have a show. It's a regular <laughs> show every day from 3 to 7, so you're welcome to call me at any time after that. <laughs> All right, let's go inside the film room, Coach Bumpus, and unfortunately we've got to look at a negative play here. And it's a uh, ends up being Cooper Cup. I think is uh, that's Jared Goff's best buddy, and uh, they've connected for a lot of passes, a lot of touchdowns, and they found a connection for a ten-yard touchdown last week. Gurley steps back from a wing into the backfield with three receivers right. Goff takes the snap, looks, fires inside touchdown. Cooper Cup sliding down as he crosses the goal line. And again, somebody probably should have been underneath that, and they weren't. A 10-yard touchdown reception, and the Rams now out to a 20-3 lead over the Hawks. You can hear the excitement in Rabel's voice there, and it's a touchdown. Yeah, I like how he does that. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of frustrating. Uh, I, I think, you know, I always kind of blame the underneath droppers because I was a linebacker, and, you know, you think, hey, look, when you, when you drop back, you've got to look somebody up. But Quandre Diggs was in the area, and a lot of times – Look, you know, that whole saying, do your job, it's not that simple. You know, sometimes it's you're not quite sure what your job is. And uh, whenever there's confusion in the NFL, and I, I noticed this, Michael, that you could get away with blowing a zone in high school, certainly, yeah. and in college even. But in the NFL, it always gets exposed. If somebody's not in the right spot, quarterbacks in the NFL are so good that they'll find that dead zone. Yeah, and, and what I see here is the the Rams line up in a bunch formation, and everybody underneath does their job. Bobby hops on the hitch. K.J. hops on the crossing route. Now, as a safety, Quandre, he's getting depth, and he starts off on the goal line, and he keeps getting depth. Now, he just has to know here there's not that much field to cover. Yeah. There's not going to be a post over the top. you got to jump on anything that crosses your face. I think he gets caught looking in the backfield, and great timing route by Jared Goff, man. He, he throws that thing right on time, the Cooper Cup. Just makes a good catch. Yeah, you make you make a great point about knowing the space in the end zone. I mean, you know, if you're six, seven yards deep in the end zone, it's it's probably a couple, three, too deep because, yeah, there's not much room back there. But, hey, look, for uh, all the things that uh, that we, we see mistakes here, maybe this is Quandre Diggs. And the next play against Jared Goff, he certainly makes up for it. Four wide receivers on third down and ten. Goff hits his back foot, throws across the middle. Ball's intercepted. Going. He is gone. Diggs takes it. 15, 10, 5. Quandre Diggs takes it to the house. The pick six. The defense has come out fired up. And we've got a ball game. 21-9. Diggs all the way. He steps in front of that one and takes it 55 yards to the house. As Rabel said, made it 21-9. Unfortunately, they missed the extra point after that. And um, we were talking to, oh, man, who was it? I think it was Brandon Jackson. And as they were going back on the field to play defense right afterwards, I guess Quandre turned to, to him and goes, 
how come there's not 10 on the board? He's like, oh, bro, we missed we missed the extra point. He's like, oh, he didn't pay attention to that. But, yeah, he, he found that out. But I, I thought on this play, Jared Goff may not be the worst quarterback under pressure, but I think when you get anywhere near him, he's the worst one that the Seahawks have faced. And this is a great example of that, that, you know, they ran a stunt and both Quentin Jefferson and Shaquem Griffin, who, Shaquem, I couldn't be happier for, I mean, he's finally found a spot. He can use his speed yeah. to put a little bit of pressure on the quarterback, and he, he did so, and it's because of his speed and turning the corner. But I thought first Quentin Jefferson did a great job of getting through on that stunt and also putting a little bit of pressure. But then, you know, uh, Shaquem comes around, puts a hit on Jared Goff, and then that causes an inaccurate throw, which is what you see a lot of times from him. Yeah, and if I'm Jared Goff, I'm mad at my receiver right now because whenever you run a crossing route, if you see grass, you're supposed to take it. And then what I'm encouraged by is the the discipline of Trey Flowers and Diggs right here because just going off of what I see here, if that receiver away from the uh, the trip side, which is the side Flowers and Diggs is on, if that guy goes deep, Trey Flowers is going to lock on him. He passes him off to Diggs. I think there's a rule that says, hey, if this guy crosses your face on the backside of Trish, this safety has to go down and make a play. And the fact that Diggs is – this is his, uh, his second uh, interception where I felt like he was a veteran. He did exactly what he was supposed to do, and he got rewarded for being in the right spot. And he just flies down to that crossing route. I feel like Woods kind of sets Goff up by sitting down because – Goff looks like he's expecting him to keep running, but if you do your job in this league, good plays will happen. Diggs catches it, pick six, put on the board. Let me ask you, you said earlier when you see green grass, take it. You're talking about sitting down in between zones? Yes, so if I'm running a crossing route and I look across the field and I see no defender there, typically a corner or an outside linebacker, if there's nothing there, I'm just going to keep taking that grass. I'm going to continue across the field. I think that's what Jared Goff thought he was going to do. Wood sits down, pick. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and it just uh, the direct line, and I, I've said this about Quandre Diggs, I think he plays with a purposefulness. I mean, it's like he knows exactly where he's going, and he takes great angles. And that's the thing, if you're lined up, you know, 16, 17 yards deep, um, it's, you better take the right angle. Yeah. And that's something that I see that's uh, similar to, to Earl Thomas. So I, it's, it's uh, cool to watch him and just the way he's fast, too, boy. Once he got that ball in his hands, he, he took off for the end zone. The next, next play, another good offensive play, actually. Uh, Russell Wilson finds DK Metcalf on the sidelines for a 35-yard down-the-sideline catch on a third and 22. Rams rush five. Russ steps up in the pocket, shifts to the left, now throws down the far sideline, and Metcalf makes an over-the-shoulder catch on a perfect pass by Russell Wilson. Inside. No, now they're going to say actually at the 21-yard line of the Rams, and then was knocked out of bounds was D.K. Metcalf. But what a beauty of 23 yards from Russ. First of all, there was some idiot going, wow, during the play. That was me, unfortunately. Uh, Yeah, it was a double move by uh, D.K. Metcalf. I was so happy for him to beat Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey was such a punk during that game. He got the one, D.K. Metcalf got the one, um, you know, unsportsmanlike penalty uh, for, you know, fighting with, uh, with Ramsey. But, man, that guy, the things that he was doing out on the field, I would have I would have had like four penalties. Do, do they call that penalty in your day, Dave? It was just a shoving match. No, no, one, no one got too crazy, right? You got to let that go. Yeah, I mean, at least they would do it once. 
you know, say, hey, warning, next time don't do that. You'd get that all the time. But now, yeah, it's like, um, you know, they're, they're just too quick. They've got a quick trigger on the flags these yeah. days. Tell me what you saw on that play, though. I like the double move by Metcalf. I didn't think he was going to be able to get his feet in. But, of course, great throw by Russell Wilson. But for the rookie, that's pretty uncanny sort of ability to, to move his body. For a big guy especially, yeah. he's able to always get his body in the right position. Yeah, this is what we call a hitch and go, and he sells, and I like spinning out the hitch and go. So he, he runs five yards, he sits down, faces the quarterback, and then whips it back outside towards the sideline. The fact that they're calling this play for him lets you know the confidence that Scheinhaber has in him. But then you got to look at Russell Wilson, the way he maneuvers in his pocket. I mean, he drops back, has to step up, puts his foot down to the right, slides left, gets his base, and then drops a dime on him, man. I mean, yeah, the catch is great by Metcalf, a nice hitch and go over the shoulder, but the the presence of mind for Russell to keep his composure in that pocket, and he's a he's a small guy, right? He can't see mm-hmm. over the lineman and yeah. stuff, man. He puts all that stuff to rest. Great catch right there. I think an even better throw by Russell Wilson. Yeah, and uh, it- all the things that we talk about with him and, and all the credit that we give him and everything, we probably don't talk enough about you know, his ability to move around the pocket and find a space to get to where he can make a throw. So, All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to have Paul Gallant. Our own Paul Gallant is going to interview Quandre Diggs. They're going to play NBA 2K. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome in to another edition of Hawks Live Gaming. I am Paul Gallant and I am joined by the newest Seattle Seahawk. He is Quandre Diggs. He just had a pick six against the Los Angeles Rams. He had another interception after that. We'll talk about all sorts of different things, but first we're about to play a little NBA 2K. Your, your, your game? Oh yeah, this is my game. This, this, this is, my is your game. game. I got more of a, I'm more of a my career guy, but okay. you know, I can, I can play the regular game too. You know what? I'm going here with the Betrayal Blazers. Oh, okay. I'm a big Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Have you ever heard uh, Damian Lillard's rap? Oh, yeah. He is. Yeah. He's impressive. Oh, yeah. I like Dame. I like Dame. I've been a big Dame fan. I think even from like his, I probably got tweets when I was in freaking college mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, okay. I like this dude. I like him a lot. So I like his game. CJ McCollum, I always have him on my fantasy basketball team. Okay. So... So, I mean, he did beat the Rockets in a, in a playoff series once. I remember covering that. It was very depressing. Yeah, it don't bother me, though. It didn't bother me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I roll with LeBron. Okay. I'm a LeBron guy. Oh, a LeBron guy. So do you root for him on the Lakers? Because it's almost like... Oh, no question. Really? I just didn't want to cheat and get the Lakers because it would have been too easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. What happened on that pick six that you had? Because I remember watching on television. All of a sudden, there's just this guy just streaking across the screen. And I was like, oh, it's Quandre Diggs. And there's a touchdown. Uh, it was really just film study and, you know, um, film study and great communication between me and, uh, me and Trey, me and Slim. We, uh, we had been talking about it all week. Um, the guys had it. They actually ran the same thing the first game, same play, just with a little motion. As soon as I seen it, um, I gave, I was calling Trey. Mm-hmm. I was just like yelling at him. I'm like, Trey, Trey. <laughs> and... He turned back to look at me, and he was like, he was like, bro, you see it? Like, he basically was asking me that I see it, but I was already calling it. And they ran around, and... Wow. What? That's got to feel good when, like, everyone knows what's about to happen on the play. No question. No question. That comes from great film study. 
and you know that comes from everybody just being locked in. You know, of course the game didn't it didn't turn out like how we wanted it to, but you know um, we could take some positives from that also and just know that you know we put in the work. Um, everything tends to work out for us. So. Since you've come to the defense, it, it really has felt like a big change. It, is there one thing about you, both as a player and as someone in the locker room, that that you really take a lot of pride in? Um, I pride myself, you know, on just letting the guys know that they can trust me. Um, I think that's something that I've always prided myself on. Um, just letting my guys know that, you know, I had their back, and you know, I just try to make it easy for everybody else. Uh, that's always kind of been my job. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fine with, with taking a hard responsibility and, um, you know, um, having to help get guys lined up even though I'm new. You know, uh, I always take that responsibility. And I just like, I, I, I like to let the corners know, you know, because I'm a former corner myself. So I know some of the difficulties that, you know, that those guys go through. So I always want to freaking try to help them as much as possible and let them know I see things the same way, you know, that they see them. Do you like corner or safety more? Oh, definitely safety. What, what about safety? I just like to see. Uh, I used to get me in trouble when I played nickel. You know, I like to see the ball. I like to see what's going on. And um, I think that's just my natural position. Um, I was a safety my whole life until I got to college. So um, it's kind of they, they told me they had three guys that were leaving to go in the draft. So if I wanted to come in and start as a freshman, they told me to play corner. So went there and played corner and. Um, I was kind of with all she wrote. I tried to move back to safety my junior year. <laughs> they wouldn't have it. That's the problem when you're too good at another position. They're not going to move you away from right. it. Right. It kind of hurt my feelings. <laughs> really? Yeah. I want to be, because I always want to be a safety. I've always admired Earl. Uh, Was he your favorite? Yeah. Earl and Ed Reed, those always been like my favorite guys at safety because, you know, you always see those guys making plays. You always see them making picks. and. I just felt like when I was at Nickel, I wasn't able to showcase my full talent. Oh, definitely. And, and listen, I'm not going to act like I was good. I, that was my position in high school as well. And there's something about being able to see the entire field that I, I really enjoyed about it. But when you play corner, yeah, you, <laughs> you're usually assigned to one spot on the field and you can't really do a whole lot there. Right. What do you like more? Do you like hitting a guy or getting an interception? Oh, um, it just kind of depends on how the game is going, you know. Uh, I'm having to, you know, hit a guy to set the tempo and let everybody know, you know, wake everybody up. Then I'm fine with that. But, you know, uh, you gotta, if I gotta make a play, um, gotta get an interception and get everything started, then, you know, I'm fine with that also. So, I don't really have a preference, really. You know, I just want to make the best play possible uh, to help my team succeed. You had. I mean, the interception was awesome, but when you laid out Herb Smith in that game against the Vikings, that was one of the biggest hits I've ever seen, especially considering the fact that the guy's a tight end. Do you have, like, a thought process that goes through your head when you see, oh, man, just absolutely destroyed me. Yeah. Man, I am playing, like, I have two points. Yeah. Let's just, let's just marinate on that for a second. And I got my back up here. Yeah, this isn't good. I scored two points in the first quarter. I have not scored any right now. I, I actually don't even recognize half the my Celtics on the court. My back got more points than the starter. Yeah. You got your back. I have some more points than me. All right, this is this is going to turn into the Enos Kander show. So now you're aboard the team. What's been the biggest change for, coming from the Lions to now being with the uh, Seahawks? I would think just you know just how much fun we have around here. Um, you know, Pete keeps everything really light. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Uh, you know, every day, you know, it's some type of competition, um, some type of you know. Uh, 
some type of just to keep, you know, everybody loose and know, you know, even though it's during the season, you know, guys have to know that you, this game is fun. This game is supposed to be fun. And um, I think that's the biggest difference for me. You know, uh, everything doesn't always have to be business-like. Uh, you can kind of let loose, uh, show your personality, let people know, you know, that um, it's more than a game than football, even though when you're in this building, you know, it's, it's, it's about ball. But you can also be a person here. That's cool. That's And that's definitely got to be a different. I know that Matt Patricia and Detroit's probably trying to do a lot of the same things that Bill Belichick's doing in New England. It's definitely a very contrasting style uh, that you have here with Pete Carroll. When the trade was made, Tyler Lockett was extremely excited. So you guys have a have a, have a pretty close friendship, correct? How did that start? Uh, me and Tyler, so it kind of started, I would say, in college. We really didn't like each other at first. Really? Yeah, we didn't like each other. Why? We used to go at it. So my junior year, we were going at it. Um, we would go at it. I was guarding him. He got. He actually won the battle that game, but he was just like catching. I felt like he pushed off on one play, and they called it on me, and he was laughing, like knowing he had pushed off, but they called it on me, and he thought it was like funny. So like <laughs> we were talking trash, blah blah, all game, and then senior year. I happened to guard him, and, you know, I had a pass breakup. Topping him on the first play of the game, then I had a pass breakup, and then uh, by the end of the game, they was beating us. So, you know, it was just like we just <laughs> kept a conversation. And after the game, he was like, man, I see you in the offseason. Not even knowing we were going to sign with the same agency, none of that. And, um, heck, he signed with the same agency. I remember him. We met up on the freaking – we had like a uh, a little – rooftop deal where we trained and stuff and um, we met up up there and then you know we were training together doing the whole combine and all that and we just got super close and that relationship just kept going you know it just continued to get better each and every year and you know me him uh, Landon Collins Quinn Rollins Trey Wayne we all just take you know we go on vacation with each other and stuff like that and um, Tyler comes stay at the house in the off season. We always had these 2K battles in the off season. <laughs> so that, so that 2K is how you keep the friendship up. And now you guys are on the same team. Yeah. What's it been like now that you guys are actually close to each other? It's crazy because every day I, we look at each other and we just like, bro, we never thought we would be teammates. Like, yeah. Because we used to get in trouble. We used to get in trouble when we were training together because like <laughs> we, all we did was talk and joke during the freaking workouts. And our trainer used to get so mad, used to get so <laughs> pissed off. But like, we were just having fun. Like, we were just guys coming out of college with with some with a little bit of cash that was just getting their first little cash in their pocket, and that's kind of what it was. Well, uh, Quandre, uh, he beat me. Uh, we saw Carmelo Anthony even show up in this game, which hurts my heart. Uh, but Quandre, thank you so much for the time. Yeah. Uh, best of luck this week against the Carolina Panthers. This was a lot of fun, and I'd like to do it again sometime. No doubt, no doubt. And, you know, Dame Lillard didn't even go crazy like he should have, but, you know, I still got the dub. So it, it's, hard, it's hard to play and talk at the same time, isn't it? No doubt, unless you're talking trash. Right, exactly. I really liked in the second half as, as you, were, you were just really going all in on the Tyler Lockett stories, and I'm like, I'm going to catch up. <laughs> I'm going to make this a less embarrassing final I score. I just wanted Dame to try to do the step back, and, you know, <laughs> he was one for nine with two points, and I still won. Yeah, he's getting the post-game interview? Come on, what right. a bum. It's terrible. Quandre, thanks so much for joining me, man. No doubt. Appreciate you for having me. I want to thank Paul Gallant and Quinn.
Quandre Diggs there. And uh, coming up next, we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to wrap up the show. Me and Michael Bumpus will talk about what we think is going to happen in Carolina. Hopefully they get another W on the road. It would be amazing because they'd be 7-1, and one, which is so hard. It's hard enough to win games in the NFL, but winning on the road especially. So we'll wrap it up next. Michael Bumpus, Dave Wyman here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live here at the beautiful Snoqualmie Casino. I want to thank them for putting us up or putting up with us this entire season. It's really been fun. It's a, it's a great little drive out here. It's, uh, it's out in the middle of uh, the forest, so you don't have to battle traffic and everything. And you, they got a beautiful restaurant here, Vista. And, uh, yeah, it's great. So it's a hidden gem, hidden, not too far from Seattle. Hidden gem, very grand. You got a lot of wood out here, and the people are nice. They treat you well. And love Snoqualmie. Thanks for having us. Like you said, thanks for putting up with us. And, uh, yeah, can't they wait do have a year. lot of wood, like these big cross beams <laughs> and open ceilings and everything. Yeah, there's lots of woods. There's lots of trees. Out there. <laughs> you know what, Bump? We call that in the radio business things that just get said. Oh, goodness gracious. What would you say? No, seriously, turn around and look, everybody. There's lots of wood. And there's lots of, uh, you know, some. we got some... Slot machines, stuff like that, beautiful people. It's great. It's fantastic. It's been really good out here. We've really enjoyed it. All right, Bump, let's, let's put a wrap on this this show, the season. We don't want to, you know, conclude the entire season. We've got a couple of games yeah. left after this one, both home games. Thankfully, got Arizona and San Francisco after this one, but we know you take them one at a time. We're playing the Carolina Panthers. I just, you know... I feel like that they could possibly collapse. They could be one of those teams that just you put a couple touchdowns on them and they fold, but I just I don't think that's this team. I feel like it's going to be a close game. I feel like the Seahawks are going to win, but I do feel like it's going to be in jeopardy at some point. And the Seahawks have had, what, three games that they've won this year where they've uh, trailed by 10 points, so 10 points or more. So that's uh, that's this team. That's their personality, and I'm not saying they purposely let – teams back in it but it just tends they just tend to play other teams close no matter what their record and i feel like it's going to be one of those like 24 21 type of games yeah you know what i've learned from you this year is that i remember you talking about when you used to watch film on other teams no matter their records the guys on the field can play football and i've taken that perspective when i break down teams i'm like look they got a keekley they got a shaq thompson they got a addison with with x amount of sacks they've they are third in the league in sacks with 47. They have a Greg Olson on offense. They got a yeah. D Moore with 1,000 yards. So no matter who you play, there are balls on the other side of the football. So you have to be prepared, ready to go. But I'd like to think that with you, with that rookie quarterback, with an interim head coach, with all the commotion that's going on over there, the Hawks should be able to go down there, impose their will early, and put these guys away. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, the guy who actually works, I think he does pre- and post-game radio and stuff now, Eugene Robinson, and uh, we talked to him this week. Eugene was the leading tackler for the Seahawks uh, until Bobby passed him this season. He had like 980 or something. Bobby passed him up. But Eugene always used to say, let's kill a gnat with a sledgehammer. So basically, it's like you're overdoing it. Like, let's just wipe these guys out. Don't give them any bit of hope or anything. And so 
hopefully they can do that with uh, with Carolina. But but again, I, I do think it's going to be tough. Um, Christian McCaffrey, that's job one. I feel like you know, and they know that. If I went and told that to uh, to Pete Carroll, he'd say, "Yeah, we already thought of that, Dave. We know Christian McCaffrey is good, but." You know what would you say is uh, is maybe the the group because I w- I'm going to say linebackers and the reason why I watched Levante David and uh, Devin White the two linebackers for Tampa Bay and in the two times that they faced the Panthers they held Christian McCaffrey to about 55 yards of total offense he's averaged 169 against everybody else but except those guys so I'm going to put this one on the linebackers so that if they can basically like spy him kind of like you would do with Lamar Jackson where you always have a couple of guys that are sitting there waiting for him to take off running or cover him or whatever I would say that would be the key to the game what's a position group that you think is going to be key in this I'm going to go with quarterback it's been a while since we've walked away from a football game and said man Russell had a really good game and I think that going into the postseason the stretch of this season he has to reestablish himself and a lot of things need to happen for him to do that. The run game needs to go well. They need to not be in a hole. But he needs to, you know, I'm going to make it a, a group effort, the QBs and the receivers, because the receivers only good as the QB. The QBs only as good, good as the receivers. So they need to work together and get back to that explosive pass game that we saw earlier in the season. And I think this is the week to do it. All right. So the other thing, they got to pre- they got to protect Russell. I mean, uh, the last four games, 18 sacks, 29 quarterback hits so that would be and it's going to be a tall order because as you said what the third you said in the in the nfl as far as sacks yeah yeah so i mean that's that's another thing that needs to happen bump it's been fun this year man hey i appreciate it i love working with you thanks for having me Dave. yeah you bet and uh, i want to thank snoqualmie casino of course and our engineer brenna hutchison who's just been awesome here our promotions manager, Scott Blumenfield, and then our board operator, Brian Shoning. Oh, and his parents, Emmy and Mark. And also, NASA Choby. Mostly we want to thank you listeners and fans. We really appreciate it. Yes, I love it. Louder, louder. There we go. All right. Go Hawks. We'll talk to you next year. Thanks for listening. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. All new this year, a Seahawks player every week will sit down for an interview while playing their favorite video game. Watch the interview on our Twitch channel, youtube.com slash mynorthwest and 710sports.com. The season of giving is upon us. Right now at MyPillow, when you purchase one set of Giza Dreams bed sheets, you'll get a second set absolutely free, plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com and enter promo code 710ESPN to get two sets of Giza Dreams bed sheets. They come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Call 800-970-2959 or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code 710ESPN to get the buy one, get one free special and free shipping. Chaz, 46, former U.S. Army Ranger, tells us about life before and after Universal Men's Clinic. Well, I had a pretty active lifestyle in the military, you know, parachuting, shooting, swimming. When I retired in 2009, I noticed a downward trend, sleeping in late, watching a lot of TV. Since being treated at the clinic, I am definitely more motivated to go to the gym, definitely more confident with my lifestyle and my general presence, and it's way better at home. It made me a better father to my kids and a much better husband to my wife. I'm Dr. Arkaki of Universal Men's Clinic. 
If you are always feeling tired or moody, have a difficult time sleeping, or have little or no interest in sex, you may be suffering from low testosterone. I'm probably better now than I was when I was 25. Help is here. Take the first step to getting your life back by making an appointment today. No referral is necessary. Call Universal Men's Clinic at 206-529-1111. That's 206-529-1111. Or visit universalmensclinic.com. Attention waterfront homeowners, a chill is in the air, which means now is the time to prepare your valuable shoreline and houseboats for the colder, wetter months ahead. Milfoil King, the most trusted name in waterfront transformation, is here to help. Milfoil King's dive and design teams recommend five smart winter updates. Create or reshape sandy beaches and concrete bulkheads. Create or repair aquatic landscaping, including rockeries. Lay underwater bottom barriers to prevent lily pad and milfoil growth. Remove and manage ugly, dangerous algae blooms. Clean and manage houseboat and watercraft hulls and docks. Don't delay. Hundreds of homeowners, HOAs, commercial and municipal lake owners depend on the Milfoil King to develop ecologically sensitive, economical solutions to waterfront management. Call now to join them and learn how to enhance and winterize your shoreline investment. Dial 425-610-9149 to set up a free consultation or visit MilfoilKing.com. That's MilfoilKing.com. Win the winter with Milfoil King. Do you know that mortgage rates have plummeted to a three-year low and are nearing historic lows? At the same time, home values have gone up roughly 50% in the last several years. However, they seem to be peaking now. Maybe it's time to put that equity to work by paying off high-rate credit cards, personal loans, or remodel your house. Hi, I'm Wesley Hoagland with Westland Financial. Let us put you in the position to do any of these things with no lender fees. That's right, you'll never pay lender fees, whether it's a conventional, FHA, or VA loan. We've been doing this for 20 years now. Maybe you just want to lock in a lower rate or refinance out of paying mortgage insurance. All it takes is a five-minute phone call to see how we can save you thousands of dollars a year. So call Westland at 888-455-3669. It's the biggest no-brainer in the history of mankind. Call us at 888-455-3669. That's 888-455-3669. 888-455-3669. Lennox Financial Mortgage Corporation, DBA Westland Financial. License number CL3304, NMLS 3304. Not all loans apply. Equalizing lender. For 60 minutes, there's not a better place on earth. There's this electricity you can feel right when you walk in. 